Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban, here with my friend, Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our DAP today, Masachat Yavamot, DAP, Pei Gimel, page 83. Well, we have our friend, Rabbi Yossi, here again, who I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about. And the Gemara has a statement which says, Amri Bey Rav Mashmei Derav. So the school of Rav taught in the name of Rav. Halachik Rabbi Yossi. The halacha is like Rabbi Yossi. Ben Dragonus Ube Harkava. We have a great machlokas between Rav and Shmuel, which is when does the halacha file Rav Yossi? Rav says it's in the case of the androgynous, the hermaphrodite, and with the halacha of grafting. And Shmuel says it's his, uh, we follow him with his opinion about sort of prolonged later and uh, and kiddush, uh, which is a type of like a forfeiture. So um, we'll read through the cases in a little bit, but just some of them, because I want to talk about the protracted labor one, which is very interesting. Um, but um, the question is, who is Rabbi Yossi? And I don't think we've done a who's who on Rabbi Yossi. So Rabbi Yossi is Rabbi Yossi ben Chalakta, but normally it's just called Rabbi Yossi. Um, he's a fourth generation Tana. And the thing to know about him in terms of the chain of who his teacher is, who his student is, he's one of the primary students we talk about that Rabbi Akiva had 24,000 students who died during the and then Rabbi Akiva, uh, this was on Daft, I think, Samach Bet in Yavamos, right? He goes and he says he still was willing to teach and he teaches five new students and those students, you know, we say are sort of like equal to the 24,000. One of those students is Rabbi Yossi. Uh, Rabbi Yossi, though, actually gets smicha from Rabbi Yehuda ben Baba. And um, he he actually becomes the te- he's one of the primary teachers of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, the redactor of the Mishnah itself. So he's an important person. He's the fifth most common uh, Tana mentioned uh, in the Mishnah, um, and uh, you know that's uh, I guess that's you know so and and he also um, because he was uh, given smicha during this Roman. Uh, law that you basically could not give anybody smicha, he actually flees and, and he leaves um, Eretz Yisrael for a while. This is a Gemara in Baba Metziah uh, where, where he stays for, for, for a bit uh, until it was safe for him um, to come back. Um, and the other thing to know about him is that he's um, he's uh, he's born in Sipori, right? Sipori is always we consider it to be sort of like the city of the uh, of the Mishnah. Um, and, um, the other thing to know about Rabbi Yossi is, which I think is very interesting here is that Rabbi Yossi, uh, supposedly actually did Yibam. So I just wanted to mention that as well, <laughs> that Rabbi Yossi did Yibam with his brother's wife and then she, uh, had five sons. So, wow. um, right. And so those sons are also mentioned as well. Um, anything else about Rabbi Yossi that I should have mentioned? Uh, he's prominent, meaning we've seen yeah. him many, many, many times. with Rabbi Yossi. Right. So what do we know? Right. Born in Sipori, maybe the author of Seder Olam Rabbah does Yibam, which I think might be the most exciting thing that we uh, that we talk about here. Um, you know, teacher is Rabbi Akiva, student is Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, you know, a good person to know about. And definitely. Yes. Okay. So now we'll just go on. There's just an interesting discussion here about what this uh, machlokas is, uh, you know, about uh, like uh, prolonged uh, labor, right? So androgynous hadamrina. And so the machlokas about the androgynous just talked about, right? Whether it's considered to be sort of a 
you know, uh, being, okay, we had that machlokas before. Harkava, so grafting, so here they quote a Mishnah and Shvit from the second chapter, Ditznan. Right? So when are you allowed to plant or sink the shoot of a vine in the ground or graft the shoot of a tree on the eve of Shemitah? Right? So the Brisa, the Mishnah tells us you can't do it. You, uh, you can't do it less than 30 days before Rosh Hashanah because it won't really take root until the seventh year, until actually Shemitah. And if he did do it, he has to actually, uh, he has to actually uproot it. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Kol Harkavash Enakoleta Bishloshai Yamim Shuv Enakoleta. So Rabbi Yehuda says any graph which doesn't take root in three days will never take. So you don't need to worry about this thirty day thing. You basically only have to worry about three days before the Shemitah year. Rabbi Shimon Omerim Shtei Shavata. Rabbi Yosi and Rabbi Shimon say. It takes two weeks for a plant to root, and so therefore it would be two weeks before the Shemitah year starts, before that Rosh Hashanah, that you wouldn't be allowed to plant a root. So supposedly we paskin like Rabbi Yossi in that case. So now they're going to get into some technicalities. How do you actually count the 30? I'm not going to read this paragraph just for the sake of time. And then we get to Shmuel's opinion. So Shmuel Amar Bekoshi Vikidus. Koshi did not. Okay, so with Koshi, is talking about protracted labor. And so what's the case here? This is a Mishnah in Nida. So what we're talking about here is a woman who has a flow of blood on three consecutive days during a time of month where she would not normally expect to have blood makes her a Zaba. But she, if she has bleeding while she's in like a protracted labor, a very long labor, the bleeding is attributed to her labor and she... Just given, she just has to follow the, the laws of a of a Yoledas, of a woman uh, after childbirth and doesn't have to worry about any of the laws of Zaba. So, Kama Yehei Kushie, what is a protracted labor, right? What's a period of time prior to her giving birth is the bleeding considered to be part of her labor? Rabbi Meir, Meir O Arbaim, O So, Rabbi Meir says it can be 40 or 50 days before she delivers. Now, we do know there's Hicks, that people do feel sort of these benign uh, contractions before they, you know, before they give birth. But 40 or 50 days to me at least sounds very long. Rabbi Yehuda, Mer, Chadsha, Rabbi Yehuda says one month is enough from the beginning of the month in which she gives birth. Right. So what exactly does that mean? Like if you give, you know, is, is that just 30 days before? It doesn't seem it may be a little bit shorter. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, So again, similar to the grafting case, uh, he says it only is allowed to be uh, two, two, uh, uh, two, um, two weeks. And then just to wrap up, you know, this whole thing, Kiddush, right? What is this? It's none. So this is a Mishnah Kilayim, right? Which is talking about planting mixed kinds, right? So if somebody causes his grapevine to sort of go over to cover the grain of another, right? He basically makes it forbidden as a crop in the vineyard, right? And he's responsible for it. He has to compensate that individual for the loss of his produce by putting his grapevine over the wheat because that becomes a problem. But Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon saying, 
a person cannot render forbidden an item that's not his. So since that grain didn't belong to him, he can't actually make it a sore. And according to Shmuel, that halacha is like Ravi Yossi. So these are the four cases that we have where we follow the halacha like Ravi Yossi. We spent a little bit of time talking about Ravi Yossi, um, and uh, we'll continue to see his name pop up in the Gemara. That we will. Um, all right. I am carrying along the Gemara. And if I have been talking about the androgynous for a while, now we're going to talk about the tum-tum. The tum-tum is a person who has, let's call them, indeterminate uh, sexual organs. Uh, Yardina, do you have anything to add in terms of what this means in a in a practical way that isn't just like, I could do the math, both, well, I, neither. Well, I actually but... think to me, this is actually the category of ambiguous genitalia, that you could have a baby, for example, who's born, um, where it's really just not clear what it is that you're seeing. It could look female, could look male. Um, like, in other words, you're not sure if you're looking at, at a very small penis or an enlarged clitoris. That's essentially like sort of what ambiguous genitalia is. And then like the hidden piece would be sort of like what's inside. I, I, I'm not sure if that's, I don't think that the Gemara completely means that, but that would sort of be to me like a modern application. Like you can't actually, um, you don't actually know uh, what it is. Um, and it's somehow there, you know, the, the idea is, is that they're, they're, they're hidden. Um, and, you know, go back to remember that in Yavamos, and Samach Dalid, we talk, there's actually, you know, an opinion that says the Avram and Sarah were actually tum-tum um, and then later became non-tum-tum. And that's, that's actually was the cause of their um, infertility. But when the Gemara talks about it, they actually literally... Wait, wait, let's just stop and say, like, that, that interpretation is there to explain why they didn't have children all those years. Yes, I will actually quote one of my children. I won't say which one, but one of my children, when we explained to them how babies were made... <laughs> Their reaction was, the child said to me, so were Avram and Sarah, did they not have children because they didn't know that that's how babies were made? So that Gamara reminded me of that. Yes, that was, that was their question. That, that, that's what they wanted to know. Um, but for the Gamara, at least, what the tum-tum is, is that there's literally some type of like membrane or flap of skin um, that, you know, is is covering what would be the exposed genitals. And so that's why you're going to keep seeing this phrase of like Korea, like somehow it gets exposed uh, what, what it is, that at some point, either the testicles or the penis, something gets exposed, right? But as long as it's not exposed, we don't actually know, is, we don't actually know uh, what, is, what is in there. Um, and it does seem from this term of Korea that maybe there was some type of procedure or something that was done uh, to sort of uh, to sort of figure to to figure that out, and so let's you know, read this. So that's exactly what it's saying. I think that I, I feel like this term Korea is a challenging one because literally it means to tear, like the same way that people tear Korea, right? When if they're sitting shiva, so to tear open, it sounds like to tear open the child without the benefit of you know modern anesthesia and so on. I don't think that's really what's happening. I think you're right that this seems to be some progressive development in the individual, and then that kind of reveals all. But we're talking ahead of ourselves. Let me just read the text so that we, our co-learners are with us. Rabbi Huda Omer Tumtum, right? So again, that goes back to the Mishnah. 
Amar Rabbi Ami. So Rabbi Ami wants to know as follows. My Avi Le Rabbi Yehuda Lutumtum. Divre do utvu do I think it's just utvu. I take it back. Abi Horse Vaikra. So what happens, right? Again, here we've got this tumtum where the the we've got an indeterminate uh sex here, gender going on, right? And so then something happens that however it works, that this person is torn open, however this means, the genitals are exposed, and then lo and behold. Now it is defined, like it is definite that this person is male. And then the point is that that person should, the, the halachic context is that this person should not do chalitza because he, he's treated as a saris, as a eunuch. But Rabbi Ami wants to know, well, what's Rabbi Yehuda going to do about this? Why? Because, so again, what's he going to do? Deviri, there is a tumtum who is living in the place of biri. Deviri is biri, if you Take away the the dollar, right? And what happens? That he was seated um, for some kind of he was put in a seat apparently for some kind of operation, right? And then he was torn. And then later, meaning not not at this moment, but years later, the same person fathered seven children. Meaning, whatever this operation was to kind of reveal his sexual organs was effective because then he was able to have seven kids right and the question is you know does a tumtum have to go through this in order to be able to be to to be a father so the Gemara says the Rabbi Huda like could have said you know go and ask about those kids and find out where they came from meaning it's a skepticism that this particular tumtum, who has now, you know, somehow been revealed to be male, um, fathered these seven children. The implication being, the mom had other means of providing a father. Um, okay, the gemara goes on. Tanya, which, by the way, I just want to say that's a second case of like, or third case of kind of untoward behavior that the gemara kind of just addresses and moves on in a way that I think, you know, if we had time to be so shocked that our eyes could fall out of our heads, we would. Tanya, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, Tum Tum, Lo Yachlot, Shema Yikravanim, Sasa, Rizchama. So the Gemara says that the Tum Tum cannot do Chalitza. Why not? Because lest the the physicality would be torn open, whatever, and then it would become clear that this person is male, and but male and also Saris, and also unable to Father children again from natural causes, but still that person cannot do chalitza. Atu cold mikras zachar have. So the person is like, why do we? And now, now finally, I get my question here, right? To say that every tumtum, every tumtum who's opened in this way is going to be male, meaning it's certainly possible, right, that the tumtum is going to be female. That's exactly the point that there's an ambiguity here. It's not. It's not a simple. I don't want to say simple. It's not a deformation. A deformity, that's what I mean. It's not a deformity as that's all the discussion of the Saris, right? Some of those Sarisim were had some kind of potentially congenital deformity, whatever. Here we're dealing with something else. We're dealing with something that's ambiguous, and the ambiguity allows for a female to be here as well. And the Gemara goes on to answer this, right? Shama Yikrav and Imsai Nekeva Vafilo Nimsa Zachar, Shama Yimsa Saris Chama. 
So the Rebbe says, well, okay, yes, correct. If the tumtum cannot do chalitza, because on the one hand, maybe, maybe the tumtum will be female. And if the person is female, then that person cannot do chalitza, meaning the rationale of what we're talking about in the context of chalitza applies whether we're talking about male or female. So yes, cross female off the list, no chalitza. Okay, male, saris chama, cross them off the list, no chalitza. There are too many unknowns to allow this tumtum to be chalitza, to have a person do chalitza. And with that, the, I mean, the Gemara, again, goes on to ask what the practical difference is between Rabbi Huda's position and Rabbi Yossi's position. And Rava comes to answer it, right? The Gemara doesn't stop its discussion here. We're going to stop our discussion here because, first of all, I think that we've, you know, explored the, some of these implications of the tumtum. I think it's very clear that it's different from androgynous and also different from people who are, you know, much more obviously identified as either male or female. Yeah, and a way to me, this is, I don't know, it's challenging in a different Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Michelle Farber, Revenue Michelle Farber, for hosting us on the Hadra website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.